Welcome to the Life in the Stocks podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Matt Stocks. I'm the host, and the show features unedited, in-depth, candid conversations with a wide range of musicians, actors, comedians, and creatives. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to Life in the Stocks on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and indeed all major podcast platforms. Be sure to give me a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well, at MattStocksDJ. That way you can keep up to date with all of my live Q&A dates, my DJ performances, and of course, who's coming up on the show as well. But without further ado, let's crack on with the show, shall we? Here we go. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Check, check, check. Do you want to just give me a little level check? Hello. Hello. Check, check. My name is Rosie. Rosie Jones. Uh, well, first of all, it's lovely to meet you. You too. This is so lovely. It's a cool setting, isn't it? We should give a shout out at the start to uh, Gibson Guitar for allowing us to yeah. hang out. It's so cool. It's really cool, I isn't it? We'll have to see if we can get you a guitar to take home. Yeah. Just nothing to see here. No. What's on the back? Don't worry about it. No. <laughs> it there you go, that. right? We can maybe get a ukulele in there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Done>. <laughs> Suckers. So you're going out for lunch tonight? Well, dinner tonight well, to celebrate no, your new podcast. This is Liz's lunch. Yeah, I'm being treated. By my, my own podcast, the producers were like, we should celebrate. We've had you doing all this work. Yeah. And we yeah. haven't yet rewarded you yeah, with well, money been, or food. No, not <laughs> yet. We've uh, been in the podcast studio for 30 hours, so... 
We need at least a hamburger. At least. At least. And a side. Yeah, one <laughs> So you've had on Ed Gamble. I heard that one. Yeah. Ed's been a guest on yeah. this show. Uh, yeah, what that, other guests can you tell us about um, coming up? Great guests we got Ed Gamble, Nancy Kumar, Tom Allen, Susie Rockfall. I spoke to Susie the other day for this podcast. She yeah, is. lovely lady. She's, lovely lady. she's a dear friend. Oh, nice. She's so great. Yeah, her and Tom have just been in New York, right, for Pride. Oh, my God, yeah, but did you know why they're there? I didn't know the, um, the secret reason, no. They got drunk and bidded on two flights <laughs> right. on the Virgin uh, Pride aeroplane, which looked amazing. So it was all rainbow-coloured, was yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So they woke up and they were like, oh, <laughs> I guess we've got to go. We're going to New York. But it looks like they had an amazing time. I've never been to New York, but I can imagine that a New York Pride would be quite the event. Yeah, yeah. I am... Um, I'm so jealous I want to be there. I uh, went to New York one year for New Year. Really? And well, I'm thinking about going for Christmas this year with go, my friend Derek. Go. It but must be cold that time of year, though, right? It is freezing. Really? <laughs> we did a tour bus and we went and sat on the outside but and honestly at froze <laughs> I literally froze into my seat. <laughs> Just on the top deck going yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I thought I'm gonna die here. <laughs> this is how I, it happens. Yeah but at least I've seen the friend's apartment. Block. Yes, Central Park as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can <laughs> die happy. So, uh, where did you grow up, Rosie? I grew up in a seaside town called Bridlington, in between Hull and Sigab. Wow, so you're way, way, way north. Very north, yeah, it's a tiny town, but growing up it was lovely, but I think I got to about 18 and I went, right, I'm bored now, I don't want to be a fisherman or <laughs> work in a chickpea. So, um, and they're the two main career yeah, paths for a town yeah, like. Is it a sure. similar kind of town to Grimsby? Yeah, right. yeah, a lot like that. And um, it's lovely in winter. In summer, it gets hordes of people from Yorkshire, from Leeds and Bradford, coming for their holidays. So between like June and September, can't move. Just avoid the seaside. <laughs> too many out of towners. Yeah, too many. <laughs> we call them wedges. Right, right, right. Too many wedges. <laughs> and what did what did your mum and dad do? 
They were teachers. Both of them were teachers. Yeah, so my dad worked in Hull and my mum actually worked at the secondary school. I went to. So did, did she teach you? Yeah. She did? She taught me French for three years. Did you get an easy ride because she no. was your mum or did you get an even tougher ride? Tougher. Really? Tougher because I was good at school. I was quite clever, but naturally I was a talker. Right. So you like to disrupt the class? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think because of my disability, a lot of teachers let me get away with it. But my Did mom, you realise that quite early on then? Yeah, oh, you yeah. You could get a bit of a free pass. Yeah, I would absolutely <laughs> milk it. Um, but my mum knew. And she, and she was, wasn't having it. No, never. Did you have brothers and sisters growing up? Yeah, I got a, I got one younger brother, Oliver, who's five years younger. And are you too close? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I kind of bullied my <laughs> mum and dad into having him because I would just spend all my time going, what am I getting a brother or a sister? And I think because I was older, because I was nearly five when he was born, I really got it, so there wasn't that rivalry between us. I knew that my mum could be, be there for me and him. Um, and you weren't worried about favouritism no, or anything like that? No, not at all. And actually, I loved looking up for him. And when he was about two and three, whenever he would wake up at like 4 a.m., you know, babies like running to their parents' yeah. bed. My brother would run straight to Big Sis. Straight to me because I knew I would be up we've been playing games i love it yeah i've got a sister who is seven years younger than me so it's a similar kind of a thing yeah. and uh it's i think it's nice because as you say you're already old enough to understand the the dynamic yeah, yeah. and there's none of that as you say rivalry or competitive yeah. sibling no no and um, fights <laughs> no no we just really really got on and like I mean looking back now my mum and dad had such an easy ride <laughs> like um, it was a rule in our house that from my dad he would come to me and my brother and go 
Now, when they take quiet time right, right. on a Saturday, just for a break, yeah, and we can't wake mummy until 11 a.m. That is ridiculous. Like, when I tell her that now, because she's older, she's up at seven. And she said, I can't believe we told you to play amongst yourself until midday. <laughs> and you just did it. Yeah. <laughs> like, we'd be downstairs watching live. Saturday and morning cartoons, yeah, yeah. yeah. Our live and, and kicking Trevor yeah, and Simon. Yeah. Good it's, times. It's MTV Live and... I would like organisers to make a dance in front of the TV and with dad snacks and play <laughs> games. So actually, my brother had a third pair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. sounds like it. It sounds like yeah. your dad had a pretty easy ride too. Yeah, He's yeah. just kicking back, getting the yeah, snacks delivered. Yeah. Were you interested in television from a young age then? Yeah, yeah, I'm actually so, and I always watched everything, and I think I talked about this a lot, but I think because there wasn't a lot of disabled people on TV. It kind of upset me and then it made me angry that people like me weren't represented in a medium that I love so much. So as I got older, but what? We're talking about 12 and 13. It was always, I want to work in TV and like from my GCSE English. I found it recently. I wrote a essay about um, the lack of diversity in television and I talked about disability because it, it was always a massive like, passion of mine and I do believe that I've been made disabled for a reason and to really make a change. So from that young age, I knew I wanted to work in TV. But, and it sounds ridiculous now, but because I didn't see myself represented on TV. I thought I, I'll need to make the change from behind the camera because 
I say it flippantly and it is a joke but I think up until very recently um, the disabled people on TV were in quotations Hollywood disabled i.e. they are technically disabled, but they sound able-bodied, they look able-bodied, and I feel like that is easier for someone who isn't comfortable with disability to take in and digest. You mean the people making the shows as much as the people at home watching them? Yeah, yeah, I think so. They've changed it now, thank God. But, for example, if they would have a disabled presenter who was in a wheelchair and they would have them on the sofa, you wouldn't see the chat. Yeah, you wouldn't know. For everyone uh, watching at home, they were like, oh, they're disabled, but they look also in quotations normal. normal. But I think somebody like me Immediately, you know, I'm disabled. I sound disabled. I look disabled. And when I was talking a few years ago now, because it has got better, but perhaps that was harder for people to take in. So, yeah, when I started out, I thought I would do it slowly from behind the camera, but the idea that I would ever be not only on camera, but on the radio, like on podcast, even now blows my mind. I love it. So you always had a, a like a long term game plan in mind. You thought yeah. I'm going to start out as you said. Was your first job a researcher? Yeah, yeah. So what was amazing was um, so to work in TV, everyone starts as a runner, and that. Three main jobs are to drive people around, to make tea, and then to literally run, make errands. You'll make sure a TV show runs 
properly and um you're like a general dog's body yeah, yeah. and honestly they are underpaid and overworked yeah like without runners a tv show wouldn't cease happen. to run yeah yeah they're incredible but for me i can't drive I can't make tea and I cannot run. So it would have been very hard for me to make my way into it. But what was amazing was Channel 4 to what's called a diversity trainee scheme. And it's is that with colleges, with universities, or is it just like an no, open no, scheme thing that anyone can apply open, for? Uh, you don't need a degree. I had one. I what did you study in? English. Lovely, me too. Up top, yeah, high five. <laughs> um, and again, um, when I was choosing, I, I deliberated studying media but I, I wanted to keep it open and I've always been a writer that's always been my biggest passion so I wanted a degree that would help me work in TV but also help writing allow you other options yeah yeah Yeah. keep it open do you find with writing that you're able to completely express yourself then is that is that where you feel like you can really get your ideas across yeah yeah and um at school at a level my uh, two favorite subjects were english and drama and i absolutely adored acting and um, I was alright at it and uh, when I was choosing what to do after 18 my drama teacher said apply for drama schools but at that time I said to her no, because if I get in, if I graduate, success for me in this world would be occasionally playing the victim. Because back then, it was 2008, you didn't get disabled people. In like leading roles. Yeah, yeah, leading roles and dramas and soaps. And uh, I was aware that I, I just needed more tools to make a difference. So I decided to study English and writing so I could write my own story and write characters 
Hyvää miltei, en raa, en flat, en fredimensional, and then I just happen to be disabled. So like, like it has down to me that that was my plan twelve years ago, and like. I think it's going to plan. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm doing all right. I'd say. Um, yeah, yeah. So then. So you get this scheme. So you enter yeah, the scheme with Channel Four. Scheme. So it just allowed to me a leg up, and I started in the TV world as a trainee researcher which is worn up from a runner. running so I leapfrogged over making tea which Nicely I done. think everybody is grateful for uh, so it was my job as a researcher to collect information. What was the show you were working on or was it a series of different shows? Series of different shows. I was a researcher for six, seven years. I was a researcher for a lot longer than I should have been because I think that last two years of my career in TV, I was doing stand-up in the evenings, so I knew I didn't want to step up and take a job with more responsibilities, because um, TV work is technically 10 to 6, yep. but it's not. Yeah, it's yeah, like it's round the clock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, but if you want to make it as well, you have to work twice as hard as the other person. Otherwise, it, they'll get the job, it, right? That's it. But I think definitely my last year in TV as a researcher because I always worked with essentially my mates. Yeah? Because well, you've been in the, the field for so long yeah, and you knew yeah. everyone. Um, and it's like a small pool of people especially in the comedy entertainment world, everyone knows each other. And it just became like an unsaid agreement that they would employ me and pay me as a researcher, knowing that they were getting an experience researcher. Uh, but and did I, you enjoy that role as well? Yeah. 
I really enjoyed it and I loved working with my friends and on shows. But yeah, because I was experienced, it was like an unsaid agreement that I could leave at six nice. on the dot. So then I would go and I'd gig wherever I gig five times a week or that. Where was the interest in comedy first realised and when did it begin to start manifesting? Was it from a very young age or was it... Uh, I think it's always been there. And I come from a very funny family that like, my childhood was just sitting around the dinner table for hours, eating everything <laughs> and laughing. But actually, in my family, I'm not the funny one. Really? And was, so you just had it passed down? Yeah, that's <laughs> it. It was always my mum and my brother taking the stage, as it were, and me and my dad laughing. You're more like the long. audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but then when my disability in the outside world, I found that people patronised me or they assumed that I was intellectually disabled and no one likes a smart aleck. So I knew I couldn't, like, get over that by, like, outsmarting them. Uh, but a fun way to crack a joke, and that, that works on many levels. It shows that I'm intellectually capable, but then also it breaks any tension that might form. And also it shows that I'm a nice, friendly person. So looking back now, I had jokes, as it were, in my back pocket forever. I mean, they're rubbish, obvious jokes, but things like, oh, I'm not disabled, I'm drunk. Well, uh, well, it's alright, when I'm drunk, I walk straight. <laughs> it's when I'm sober, I get the wobbles. But things like that on a one-to-one level just break the ice. So... It's one of the last, I think, perhaps taboo subjects, isn't it? Completely. That a lot of people are still weirded out by yeah. and yeah. Uh, uncertain of. Yeah. And 
Yeah. So I guess um, with someone like you, what you're doing is normalizing it and stripping yeah, away the taboos. Yeah. And, and I knew I could do that on a one-to-one basis. But then slowly I thought I want, I want to do it on a... On a stage and, yeah. Yeah, if, I, if it takes me two minutes to change one person's view on me and disability in general, can I do that? in the same amount of time to a group of 50 people. Um, and it's so interesting that when I started out in, in comedy, in stand-up, every gig would be tough. Like I would wobble on stage. And before they liked me as a comedian, I had to win them over. <laughs> it was kind of like I started on the back foot because first they had to think, oh, she's okay, and then go, Oh, she's funny. So it would always take me about two minutes to win them round. And when Which if, it, if you've only got a five minute yeah, slot, that's a big chunk but, of that time, isn't it? Yeah, but over time, man, I think it's because I gig a lot and that. I've been on TV a bit and like people now on the whole, if they haven't seen me, they know a bit about me. So I found that recently, um, especially in London, I can go on stage and go, hello, here's a funny thing that happened in Poundland. <laughs> you know, I don't need to go, let's talk about my disability because they're like, oh, that's Rosie. That's not the sole defining yeah. characteristic of yeah. who you are. Yeah. Um, but interestingly, I did a gig the other week in Belfast. And I think I went on stage a little bit, maybe cocky, <laughs> but thinking... Mm, I'm roading, like... I've got this. Yeah. And I really felt a bit of awkwardness and it became quite clear quickly that they didn't know who I was, so I did need to put that foundation in and go... 
Oh, yeah, I do, I do to my disability. And, like, it was fine in three minutes, but it did make me think, oh, I have it easy now in London because we've got over this awkwardness. But it's made me excited that if I've done that in London in three years, not I mean, in the scheme of comedy, no time at all, really, right? So it's exciting to think what I can do in the next 10, 20 years. What year was your first Edinburgh? I know we're not supposed to talk about the E word, but. Don't say the E word. Um, 2016. I mean, looking back now, I was an idiot. Nobody really told me how to do comedy, how to do Edinburgh. And what people normally do is they visit Edinburgh so they know what the deal is and they do a few open spots and then the the next year they might share an hour with a friend or two to get into that rhythm of how to deal with performing every day for four weeks. And then you might do your own 40 minute show and then you'll do the next year your hour show. So, so you've had a nice gradual, yeah, slow build yeah, up towards it. Really you just went straight in, right? Well, <laughs> I went straight in with 40 minutes, which is the longest time I'd done to that point. And at that point, I was performing one or two times a week because I was still working in TV. So to go from twice a week to every single day plus three or four open mic spots and then not knowing my way around, around <laughs> Edinburgh. Yeah. Did you have any friends up there that you knew already or did you sort of go up alone? Uh, not really. I had a few friends. I mean, it sounds tragic. It's not because I get on with everyone. So, like, I... That's another thing about Edinburgh. 
Every day to parties. Yeah. Right, is it? Yeah. I, was, I was talking to Susie about this, but she was like, no, not me. But oh, <laughs> yeah. So, She's the well-behaved one, is yeah. she? Well, I'm living with Susie. Oh, nice. She's nice. A good grounding influence. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, so, my first year going there, I will take a kid in a sweet shop, like, just the fact that I could stay out till 5am with cool people every single day made me go, yes, <laughs> I'm having a bit of this. <laughs> and my show was at 3pm. Which meant that I, I would end my show with a double rum and coke. And then it would start. Yeah. So I'd start on the double spirits <laughs> from four. From four, yeah. Um, and you can't keep that up. I got a cold... Um, on my third day. Day three, day amazing. Day <laughs> and I couldn't shake it off because I refused to have a night off. <laughs> so I loved it, but I came back. It was a baptism of fire for oh, you, was it? completely. Yeah. But it was great because... I flushed it out of my system. And last year, when I did my first hour, I was so sure that the most important part of my Edinburgh experience was my hour was my hour show and everything else surrounding that needed to feed into me being the best person to perform that show. So I caught a drunk. I mean, <laughs> it'd be rude not to. <laughs> My but, kind of girl, Rosie. Yeah, <laughs> but I didn't go out as much. And if you did, it wouldn't be maybe till yeah, five. It'd no, be till, you know, one. Uh, yeah. Respectable Bye -bye. time. <laughs> um, and then I'd have a lot of naps and I'd eat well. Oh, that's another thing I did. And um, my first year, I, I love a hot dog. Right. <laughs> I really love a hot dog. I accidentally ate a hot dog every single day for 22 days. <laughs> Uh, now that's and, what you call a balanced diet. Yeah, accidentally, <laughs> I think it was about 
day 17 was I thought. Hang on a minute. How fun! Oh yeah, better <laughs> keep it up now. So yeah, last year I ate a lot better. I think I only had four hot Very good. Great. Very good. And you're going back, so this year will be your third time there, will it? Yeah, third time, second hour. Um, and that's really exciting because I feel like there's a lot of pressure for your first hour because a lot of people are looking at you and it's just really your first opportunity to go, this is me, this is who I am, this is what I want to say in my comedy. So there was a lot of pressure on me to come up with a good hour, whereas this year I feel like I can um, delve into stuff a bit more. It doesn't need to be as much of an introduction. It kind of... you got a bit more freedom to experiment. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit like, oh, I'm Rosie, you get, you get me, you get why I talk like this. Now can we move on? Yeah. Can we really get into something? and meatier and really in this hour I kind of been a lot more personal and I'm delving deeper into things it's less of this is me and more that is a little story. That is a part of me. Perhaps the last year was this is what I am, and now you're saying this is who I am. That's yeah? it. That's it. Love yeah. it. And I think it's, it's last year was how I see the world. This year it's a lot about how the world sees me and how I take on their opinions and how it makes me who I am. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Having only met you for half an hour today, I can't imagine you ever being down or sad, but obviously we all feel those, these dark times. I mean, do you ever get beaten down or upset or angry or hurt with the way the world does see you or do you try and keep a a positive spin and yeah. live your life I, with spring in your step yeah i am so positive and also at the moment when my career going so well touch wood <laughs> um she touched her head for the benefit yeah. of the listeners. And full <laughs> of wood. Um, I, there isn't a lot to be down about where I am right now. But I am human and I, I do get down. But I think what helps me is an a confidence within me and know who I am. I like who I am and I think I need that more than the average person because uh, I do can I swear yeah, um, I do deal with a lot of shit on a daily basis, um, and but because I've dealt with that all my life, it kind of just—it's a way of life now. So, for example, um, the other day, Saturday, I did a gig and it went alright, you know, it wasn't one of my standout <laughs> performances um, and it was on the South Bank. And um, it was a hot summer Saturday evening. 
and the South Bank on days like that. Oh, it's chaos. Oh, chaos. <laughs> and it attracts all the dickheads. Yeah. And I'd had my hair cut and I'd had it cut. And usually I walk around London wearing massive headphones. And it, I do love music and I love podcasts, but I wear them so I can't hear what people are shouting or saying or laughing. And it's not constant, but it's probably a comment every day and because of my personality I just go well what happens they're wrong I'm confident with who I am but I'd rather not hear it of course and of I'll course. wear headphones and I'll be in my own little Happy world. in the zone. Yeah. yeah. But because I done my hair cold, I didn't, didn't want to spoil them. Yeah. And actually, I think it was even worse because of the time and where I was and like it's a big headache, but. I look nice. <laughs> I look nicer than usual. So I think I was attracting people's attention or going, why does that lady with nice hair, why is she stumbling everywhere? <laughs> And I just got people like shouting at me like, oh, you read a view, oh, look at her. And then just wasn't what I needed. And I put my headphones on and I was in the right mood. And I hadn't had a mood like that in so long. I was like, I've had a shit gig. I'm surrounded by dickheads. I made one, one effort with my hair and now it's ruined. I just want to go home. I'm all, I'm tired. I want to watch Love Island and it was what I needed right then. I felt a tap on my shoulder and it was two of my friends. Oh, lovely, they were just there by chance. Yeah, just happened to be there. And then we ended up talking on the concourse at Waterloo for nearly two hours 
and I went home going, yeah, like I was in a mood, but that's what matters. It's just surrounding yourself with great people. And I think actually that is one of the advantages to having a disability. I do meet some people who don't even look at me or don't talk to me. And for me, it's like, oh, great, <laughs> you're and you've saved me years <laughs> of... Wasting my time on you. Yeah, so I've really got quite a group of friends right now. And, um, well, I think comedy is very good for that as well, isn't it? Like comedians yeah. seem to be very close with fellow comedians mm-hmm. and it, it seems to be a very supportive, yeah, positive yeah. scene to be involved and, in. And it's like friends with me, they are good people. So, uh, yeah, I do get down. I'm not like Tigger. <laughs> Always bouncing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do have my ear moments, but when I do, I just need to step back and go, I'm happy, I got great friends, I got a loving supporting family. I'm Killing work, it in your career. Yeah, working <laughs> in my dream career. I'm settled. And as I said, I like who I am and I feel that. If you like who you are, people can shout whatever. And there's something within me that goes, you're wrong. There's two things I want to ask you about before we wrap up. One is Silent Witness. And I'd love to hear about the experience of delving into the serious side of acting on, you know, such an established show and... Yeah, how was that for you? Well, that was so funny because, as I said, I'd studied drama to A-level. So I knew how to act, but I was by no means a trained actor. And um, my agent at the time put me forward for this role. And I thought, my bloody got no chance of getting this. And I went for it. And I think working in TV, being so comfortable, with like being on set yeah yeah knowing like what a director does knowing how to get the best 
Dawabin actor. And by no means I'm I saying not being trained is the best way to go. But for me, working in TV was like the drama school training. So I got the job and um, it was incredible and I actually filmed it the month after my first Edinburgh. Oh wow. So I've gone from drinking those, <laughs> not sleeping, performing comedy four times a day um, and at the end of August I was like I do not want to make anybody laugh ever again I'm done so Silent Witness was Perfect, perfect times, yeah. Because I had a really serious role and it was really, like, groundbreaking for the BBC because it was the first primetime drama to have three of the main cast have a disability which is huge I mean it's awful that it took to 2018 to see that but it was a powerful storyline and I'm still so proud to say I was from being that young girl watching television and noticing that there's a void there to then yeah that's it being in it that's great yeah so i am love acting it's still a big passion of mine and i think in the future i would to do more serious roles but for now comedy is taking most of my time and I got no complaints about that I love it it's so lovely to meet you Rosie so what a fun chat you'll have to come on again sometime I want to ask you finally because I always like to pry into people's personal lives when I have them on how's your love life what's the story oh my god how is my love life well what I do I get crushes on people when I crush on someone I crush hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I feel like if I was like any character 
in literature. I'm yeah. like Romeo. Okay. You know how, Hopeless romantic. How, yeah, how he's like Rosalind. Rosalind. She is amazing. And then he sees Julia and he's amazing. like, no, 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 <laughs> Julia. He was Rosalind. Let's do the one for me. I do that. And, um, so you fall in love quickly, but then you don't stay in love. No, right, no, right, right. I right. it to move on. And, uh, <laughs> Heartbreaker. It, yeah, it's always in my head. Okay, like, always have this, these like epic love affairs, and I tell my friends, and they're, they're like, "Have you told her?" And then I'm like, oh, no, no, oh, oh I just <laughs> like it in my head. And I, I mean, it sounds like I'm making excuses, but um, we're making now. I literally have too busy. No time to sleep or to eat. So the idea of finding and getting a girlfriend is not for me right now. Do you, do you like being single? Do you, are you happy and content yeah, on your own? Very, very happy. I love being on my own because my job is so sociable that I can go days without being on my own so when I do get that opportunity to take a breather, have a bath, listen to some music, it makes me go, oh I would much rather do that than to go on a first date with a Dating's the worst, right? Yeah. It's it's great, obviously, if you're into the person, but the idea for me of doing the dating apps and... And I think also it's a combination of... um, like accepting my sexuality later on. How old were you when you came uh, out? 20, 25. 25. And how yeah. old were you when you realised? Oh, well, M- much younger, it or? sounds so strange, but I remember thinking, I want to kiss you. And I don't know why, because I'm a girl and you're, and you're a, a girl. girl and girls are meant to kiss the boys. And I was four. So four you knew really young. Old, yeah, but then I would pop it to the back of my head. And like growing up, I'd have thoughts where I'd be like, I don't know why I really like Rachel from Friends. (laughs) I like her a lot. I'm thinking about her a lot. 
all adios, more like as a friend. So then, and it sounds silly, it's, it's something I use in my stand-up. But for years, I honestly thought, I can't be gay because I'm disabled. And that's... Why did you think that? You just didn't want to be two, well, yeah, two boxes of yeah, different yeah, and, and double up. Back to television yeah, yeah, and yeah. representation. Yeah, well, they're gay people. Then you'd have disabled people. And also, all of this, now that I'm an out-proud gay woman, all of this sounds ridiculous. But I honestly thought, I can't come out because... People won't accept me to be even more different. I felt like um, people would freak out and go, oh, no, you can't be both things. And I think... Also because it's a problem in the media and this idea of disability and sex is such a taboo subject. For a lot of years I thought, well... I know I'm gay, but nobody else needs to know because of my disability. They don't need to know because I'll never meet someone like no one will ever find me attractive. So. I felt like, and it sounds tragic, but actually, for me, it was just a matter of fact. It was like, okay, I'm gay, but no one needs to know. And the idea, and it is still correct to some extent. But the idea of dying, hopefully, at a very old age and going, did I have a great career? Yes. Did I have great friends? Yes. Did I have a loving family? Yes. Did I do everything I wanted to do in life. Yes. Did I have a partner? No. I honestly think I could still die happy because I am such an independent person. 
if you like me and somebody will be great but I'm not pinning my whole life on it because I'm so busy and so happy with where I am and who I am and if someone wants to join me in my happiness, great, but it's not the be all and end all. I think you've described my situation to a yeah. T as well. Yeah. Love my life, happy with my career, great friends, lovely family, really kind of pleased and content with everything I'm doing yeah. at the moment in life. Yeah. And if I do meet someone to share it with, brilliant. Yeah. But if not, I'm not going to feel hard no, done by. That's it. Life's pretty good, right? Life is it was as good as you amazing. make it. Amazing, yeah, yeah, so good. Do you get final question? Is do you get many people coming up to you and sort of saying thank you for raising awareness of of yeah, disability issues yeah, through your stand up? And, and that must be an incredibly rewarding so thing to experience for yourself, right? So great. Um, I get a lot of messages online, and my favourite ones uh, I get them quite a lot uh, from parents of disabled people who say like we've had quite a tough day we've realised that our child has this disability and we don't know how who cope later in life and then I put Facebook on or YouTube and a video of you popped up and it made me realise that it doesn't necessarily mean that I have a bad life. It might have a tougher life but seeing you talk so openly and be so positive has given me hope and it messages like that mean that when I do have shit gigs at the South Bank. <laughs> Damn you, South yeah, Bank. <laughs> you won't be getting booked there again anytime no, soon. <laughs> please book me. I love you. Um, <laughs> when I do get shouted in the street, when I do get cold names, I just think about messages like that and uh, to give a parent of a child with a disability a little glimpse of help and just a good chuckle makes me go, oh yeah, that's why I do it. Rosie, I think you're a wonderful woman. Thank um, you. And you're also hilarious. I know we've been quite serious in yeah. our talk today, well, but yeah. I am a big fan of your work. And Thank um, thanks so much for coming on the show and sharing your story. Oh, I've loved it.
Me too. And good luck with this Edinburgh preparation. Thank I'm you. sure you're going to ace it. It'll be all right. <laughs> It'll be all right on the night, every night. Yeah, yeah. Thank Thanks for a great talk. Fab. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 